hope we're live. Hope it's all stable and behaves itself today. Welcome back, another week. I'm Jack Chew. This is Chewing It Over. We come live most days, at least at the moment, weekdays, 12.30 till 1, talking about all things MSK, healthcare, education, current affairs, occasionally, whatever's topical in the world that people ask us to chew over and for you guys to get involved with. Now, this is a topic that we're going to touch today. Um, which has definitely been oft requested and certainly not one that we're going to tidy up in 30 minutes. Um, and certainly something we've talked about before, which is MSK in the media, particularly in this instance, we're talking about legacy media, mainstream media often called, but newspapers, broadcasts uh, on, on normal telly. And there's been you know, many examples over the course of time uh, that people can touch on whereby it's been for, for good or for ill in terms of how MSK has been presented and perceived. And, and also patients coming in, waving newspapers at us um, is, is quite commonplace. And so people are often passionate about this and MSKR has spoken about this and even drawn policies up about this recently. Um, and so one of the things that the best people in this space to talk to about this, uh, often both on and off microphone at events and not, is John Ryan, who's head of PR at the CSP, Long-time friend, I'd say, in this space, professionally especially. He's been someone who uh, really has taught me an awful lot, as well as being a sensible and measured voice who can really understand and see the big picture as a PR professional, um, who can then also a passionate interest in promoting quality in physiotherapy and beyond. So I'm really pleased that he's joining me today so that he can get an actual expert in the room so that I'm not just shooting my mouth off and, and gut thrusting. He can be Mr. Objective, as he often can be. So that's brilliant. And hopefully, if the tech works, I will slide in John Ryan. John, can you hear me? I can, yeah. Hi, Jack. Thanks very much for inviting me on. No bother, mate. No, thank you for coming. So I want to stay super broad to start off with. And we've said that whilst you know, we might be able to pick examples out, we needn't really to get any of the specifics. So I want to go broad and say, what are the key variables in play with regards to when these things hit the mainstream media or the legacy media or whatever, or just the public uh, access some materials that happen to shine a light on these issues. What do you think are the, are the key things that folk maybe miss because they're not able to see the big picture because we're on the front line just wanting things to, want our opinions to come out of the newsreader's mouth, for example? <laughs> yeah, the, um, I guess uh, there's a number of different factors at play. Firstly, whether... Um, I mean, whether you see whether you see the piece in the first instance, um, you know, many many people understandably have their own uh, preferences for which uh, media outlets they they visit each each day. So, um, in, in many instances, people won't have seen the piece in, in the first place. They will have only seen how it's been then relayed to them uh, on, on social. You know, sticking with members here. Um, other times, it's about whether um, the CSP's had any involvement in it at all. Um, because I think that does influence how people respond to it. Um, and, and also, you know, just the, the actual way the story has been presented. Um, often uh, an interview can have been conducted in good faith with good advice given, but you, you rarely get to see the finished article um, before it goes out. Um, and so that does mean that there's um, an element of, of risk, but um, that's where hopefully on pieces that we've set up ourselves we've done a sort of good enough job ahead of time briefing the journalists talking to them about any kind of particularly thorny issues that are related to it um but yeah i mean it, it is very much a bit of a, a bit of a lottery once it does come out how it's received do you feel that 
on balance over the years that you've worked uh, with the CSP and being close to physiotherapy, do you think that that lottery, are we winning that lottery? Like, do you think there's been a net positive or what? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think um, certainly these the types of stories that have, have, have surfaced in the last couple of weeks are, are far fewer than they used to be. Um, you know, certainly... Uh, my mentions on Twitter are a lot quieter <laughs> in relation to this kind of stuff than, than they have been in the past. Um, you know, uh, we've, we've done a lot of work in, in the last few years to um, update our messaging. Particularly, I mean, most of it uh, comes back to back pain, um, and we've done a lot of work on, on that. So, um, in the Mythbusters work, um, you know, probably five or six years ago now, uh, there's been some work done since then as well. Um, and, you know, by working with us, the journalists we're speaking to, and turning some opportunities down, um, saying no to, to stories or taking quite a strident line on some stories where a journalist has come to us and said, we want to do this story about that, this. And we're saying, look, that's just not, that's just not what the evidence says anymore. Um, that's not what most people try to do. Um, you know, for a sort of combination of all those actors um, and having some really good spokespeople, we've hopefully been able to get more positive messaging out there. Um, particular platforms, you know, the sort of BBC, the Times, getting those types of outlets um, uh, covering the messaging has been really important. Still, there are still stories that, that come out that uh, are, you know, unfortunate. Um, but I do feel like we are starting to turn it around a bit. Mm, no, it's a, it's a great point. And I, I think I would, I would certainly reiterate that. I think that sometimes in the moment when there's something that's uh, nonsensical pops up that, that feels like it presents us all in a bad light, sometimes that steals the, steals the headlines. But I think on balance, I would say that these are fewer and further between uh, for various reasons. I think it's one of the few things that we can say is a decent part of what 2020 brought is that it was actually down people's agenda, which meant that to some extent, apart from the odd the odd piece, uh, especially online about uh, some, some myths about working from home, generally speaking, MSK conditions for understandable reasons ended up down a pecking order in terms of mainstream media, which might have contributed to it being a bit quieter. But it also means that when things do crop up, it sometimes means that there's a, there's a lot more sort of vigor and venom uh, behind them. I want to just mm. hover on this because obviously I have some experience there as well with regards to the journalists contacting for comic. Can you give us some context as to how those things can emerge both give me if you I mean feel free I suppose you can give an example of when they approach the CSP and I can give an example for when they bypass you <laughs> yeah I mean we've um, so it's, it's really important part of our role is to build the relationships with the health reporters on all the main newspapers or the main websites um, and, and also uh, increasingly uh, a big band of freelancers who work across a lot of those uh, sites and papers and it's really important for us to keep building those contacts uh, so they keep coming back to us, um, you know, time after time. Someone like Peter B at the Times, you know, comes back to us quite regularly. We get a lot of good um, coverage in there in the Times as a result of that relationship. She knows that we can provide spokespeople quite quickly who are going to give her, you know, really good, uh, really good advice that really sort of meets meets her need. But at the same time, you know, she, that also um, enables the relationship to develop between the journalist and the spokesperson. So sometimes we we don't. They, the journalist doesn't need to come to us and can go direct to that that person, um, and they they set that up. They'll probably sort of check in with us. That's happened with you um, quite a bit 
I know Jack. Um, mm. And you know that that's absolutely fine by us, really, because you know we that's a person who um, you know we we trust to deliver good messaging to do uh, the inquiry in a really good way. So that that's absolutely fine. That's not always how it goes, though, unfortunately, because you know there are um, you know there are some uh, people who have their own uh, you know their own PR. Um, PR people working for them who will go out seeking those opportunities. Some some people will go out and seek them on their own, um, and we we don't ever know about that. A journalist may just see, see something on on Twitter or on online or you know YouTube or anywhere, and go directly to that um, to that person. Now, uh, in, in theory, there's nothing wrong with that, and every every physio has got absolutely the right to do that. Um, you know, there's nothing nothing stopping them doing that and in many cases it works out really well you know you see we've, we've had some fantastic bits of coverage also some you know fantastic bits of sort of broadcast uh, where a physio has got involved in with the production of a, a program and, and it's panned out really really well and we we had no involvement in that and um you know while from a sort of ego point of view it would have been nice to be involved and, and get some uh, reflected credit we didn't really need to be because it worked out well but we know that on occasion um because they haven't we haven't had that involvement. We haven't been able to say to the, the member, look, this messaging hasn't particularly landed particularly well in the past. Um, you know, go with this. This is what we're saying now. Try and be consistent with what other physios are saying on that in the media so that ultimately the public's getting one message on, on you know, back pain, on shoulder pain, neck pain, these kinds of these issues that they're getting that consistent messaging so they're not being told one thing over here, one thing over there and having that confusion. Yeah, just on the with you with your position in the CSP, do you sometimes when there's um, someone that has, uh, like you mentioned, they've they've been uh, a talking head on the internet, they've got their own PR apparatus, or at least are noticeable to freelance journalists, perhaps that therefore they go direct, and then they produce something that then is certainly inconsistent with contemporary evidence-based practice as well as sometimes just being you know contemporary practice you know it just feels a little bit dated um when when you're in a situation to evaluate that and you want to sort of contact that member say they're a member of the csp do you feel like you are well equipped with things that stop it being super relativistic so when you contact them and say well this is you know this is something that we don't prefer you to have said or make you aware of this work that that certainly flies counter to what you're describing their ability to answer i just disagree with it what's it to you you know i just have a different take on this matter do you feel equipped by the guidance as to what constitutes a csp member what codes of conduct we sign etc what that threshold is does that make a difference to you? Yeah, I mean, um, actually, one point to make first is that a lot of the time um, that the coverage isn't necessarily from a, even a physio, um, and, and in those instances, there isn't a lot we can do. We have we have gone to you know TV doctors in the past or other uh, professionals who are in the media to say, look, this isn't you know, consistent with what the evidence says, and you know, yeah. we, would you be interested in speaking to one of our our physios to get a briefing on this particular topic and and you know help with the messaging in the future when it is when it is a member of ours um and you know there, there are quite a few different factors to consider we're also that person's trade union so if they're um if, you know if, if they're the victim of you know effectively a pile on on, on twitter or elsewhere on social media then you know I, I think 
you know, we understandably we, we check in first the first point of the phone call is to say look are you okay um you know this is uh, because it can be uh, really unpleasant um, it's i don't think it's ever the intention of, of people either who started or, or continue to, to go after an individual in that way but eventually someone is going to get caught up in that um and so yeah we do sort of check in how you feel and more of a kind of yeah here's from experience um though those calls have generally been um positively received they've, they've appreciated the support but also understood that perhaps you know there's some some learning to be done there and and can change what they're saying in future potentially um and you know if we need to, um, our professional advice team can get involved to, um, you know, to sort of talk talk through the, the evidence and, and talk through the other kinds of risks. Um, you know, occasionally there's someone who's, um, you know, promoting a product, but it's not made absolutely crystal clear in that article. Um, so that might, again, not have been the member's fault um, because the member may have said to the journalist, look, this needs to be, clear that it's an advertorial or, you know, that I'm promoting this product, sure. but it just doesn't make it into that final copy. And so what the advice then is to say, look, this is a risk of doing this kind of story. Do you need to do you need to do that type of story? Or is there another way that you can um, have that promotion, but without the, the regulatory risk that you, you, you're eventually running into? One of the things that I think is is really complex about this and, and one of the many ways in which I don't envy your job, John, is that these are complex people in complex situations and the mechanism and the motivation for people to go and seek out those opportunities independently, I can so understand. As a, as a self-professed attention seeker, <laughs> I can so understand as to why people might be hungry for that exposure and also the benefits that that might bring to them, financial or otherwise, let's just say reputationally, um, and, and to good and bad effect. You know, it could, it could be to positively raise standards or it could be to negatively just peddle a, peddle a product that's over-promising. But just suppose one of the things that I feel is, is really tough is that imagine instead of doing chewing it over and trying to span things as I've done in the last sort of few months and stuff, just a further offering us to try to get conversation flowing. Instead of spending that time doing this, I was, as a self-professed attention seeker, potentially even with the help of some PR company, I was then to pursue relationships with journalists and, and TV companies and radio broadcasters and stuff and, and was to just try to raise a flag of Jack Chew and associated products, then th that, that situation, that power, that clout, and that individualized approach is something that is just an incredibly powerful beast at the moment. The influencer culture is such mm. that it's quite powerful. Is it, is it a concern that that is then just difficult for the CSP to, to ever really, you know, get get a hold of or even attempt to counter is it, is it that eventually maybe in time you have to then just sort of let that let that be and, and the organizational curation of material is just not in vogue at the moment no and and you know there's a lot of uh, positive points to make if someone has that type of profile um that that in itself is not a problem um in fact that's a very good thing for the profession if we have someone with that kind of household name status, ultimately, um, that that could be a very good thing as long as they're armed with the 
the messaging that we want them to to get across to the public. Um, you know, I, I don't think we'd ever kind of look that thoughts in the mouth if there was a chance if there was a, a, a member who um, attained that level of, of popularity and profile. Really, we would be working with them to say, look, can you? This is the kind of messaging we want you to begin across. What we feel you can can be most helpful now. Um, they wouldn't have to <laughs> wouldn't have to do that, but um, you know that's uh, where I feel there's there's some potential there. Um, you know there are there are risks, of course, because if if someone has reached that kind of level of, of status, then you know we we have to uh, and isn't open to to pushing our messaging, then that's making it more difficult. But um, you know I think um, I think it'd be a nice problem to have. There's a bit of a selection issue though, there isn't there where imagining me and you yeah, i doubt you'll mind me sharing this but me and you have often spoken over a beer about the we're not a big fans of deep conviction just for the sake of conviction or we like the fact that there's shades of gray in this world and that people being aware of that and not just doubling down um as i say feel free to take those words out of your mouth but generally speaking we've both spoken i think even publicly on that but that a person that values that and sees the world that way and sees msk that way as being something that well it depends individual circumstances the context matters etc that sort of person that likes to use an ours of the world and is accepting of the lack of black and white is also the sort of person that self-selects away from being a bit of a for want of a better term media whore right to, to be doing what i described and sending out uh, bait to the journalists because they want their name in lights it sort of ends up being a bit of a conflict doesn't it in terms of someone's personal disposition yeah but but again i don't think it's necessarily a, a problem what the personality of that person is or, or their beliefs i mean if they are using that platform that they've developed to deliver evidence-based helpful messaging for the public that's that feels to me like a you know awful phrase win-win you know yeah, but, we, but, they wouldn't, but they wouldn't be because they're, they're, they're the reason i don't even bring up the personality is that if they mm. if they're into the black and white and one of the reasons mm. is because they're so passionate about peddling this particular message then they're mm. not going to necessarily be as inherently evidence-based as we're suggesting it's the, the, the message because they believe that stuff it's not that they're peddling it as a charlatan they just believe mm. a falsehood yeah i mean i yeah it's, it's a highly hypothetical issue because uh you know this isn't one we're, we're kind of faced with but um i think uh you know i think most people are most people i've come across um whether pursuing those opportunities themselves or being critical of people pursuing those interests are always generally coming from the right place that right. you know they are passionate about the profession um and you know i think I think the big risk, the biggest risk, I think, is um, someone getting into that kind of level of profile is is finding it harder to say no to things um, and, right. and find it feeling right in order to sustain that level of profile, then it needs to be, um, <clears throat> you need to continue uh, raising those points. Now, actually, one thing I do want to mention on that is that, you know, a, a lot of these things um, blow up a lot of these issues we've had like over the last week blow up where there's a particular piece of advice uh, that is given whether it's you know whether it is a, a donut whether it is something to do with um, you know bracing and things like that um, these are very sort of the um, visual uh, or you know if you're on radio audible um, examples that people can really picture in their mind and relate to um, 
And that's why they're so successful with journalists, because if they're trying to cover a topic uh, that can be quite complicated uh, for an audience that's driving home from driving home from work or just flicking idly between channels and, and hoping to sort of stay on stay on that channel, they need something that's going to really connect in, in quite a quick way. One of the problems we've had, I think, with with, um, with back pain in particular, is that much of the advice boils down to sort of this idea of just keep moving um, and you know take regular breaks and, and these these things. And now, now that's exactly the right message. That's, it's a really important message to get across, but it's quite difficult to continue to make uh, to make interest keep that kind of engagement with the the viewers so i do think it's on us as well to continually come up with new ways of, of explaining this or finding uh, interesting ways to tell the story and uh, engage the public with it no i think that's a, that's a really good point and one of the things that i'm a bit concerned about is that when thinking about a ethical version of clickbait or, or attention seeking mm -hmm. on a on an image like you're describing is that one of the low-hanging fruit examples of it is to then offer a flip reversal and utilize the imagery to then suggest that that's a myth, which is why it was smart what you created and we all co-created and contributed to in terms of the myth busting. Because if we use the donut stack as the example of, of, of saying that this suggested vulnerability of the spine, then one way of utilizing the very visible imagery that you're describing that, that's attractive is that it, it still can apply if you then had a big red cross through it. I know it sounds cheesy mm. and I'm not suggesting that that would work every time, <laughs> but as the general rule, then it is quite entertaining for people to then be confronted with something that's actually exposing them to being overtly, oh, that's different, that's novel. And, and that um, could well be that we could utilize some of those things to good effect by quite a simple mm. bait and switch. Yeah, and, and um, yeah, I mean, there's certainly this there, isn't there? Um, it's, it's also remembering how sort of inbuilt a lot of these beliefs are and how so many of them spread via word of mouth or from families or from other professionals. The media is one obviously very powerful route into it. But, you know, we, we recently did a, a study of the top 100 YouTube videos on back pain um, and yeah. found some some horrifying stuff. These things have had millions of views. So, you know, it, it's, it's you know, YouTube's obviously not a new phenomenon, but it's it's another front that we need to yeah. look at uh, when we are sort of tackling some of this misinformation. And and I think YouTube feels far more uh, rife with the sort of commercial interest pushing some stories, uh, which which does make it really difficult for us to counter. Yeah, the um, I mean, YouTube's a, a real minefield because it's um, there's even an ASMR backcracking type community that are getting off on people manipulating spies yeah. in such a way that that's going to be hard to to counter because they're getting off on the literal noises. One thing I wanted to make sure I ask you, John, before we go, is that there's a relevant difference. We're obviously very in interested in and, and quite centrally passionate about MSK. Obviously, I try to make sure, especially via rehab, always talk about the similarities and the, the broadness of, of what that could mean beyond MSK to make sure we're not navel-gazing. But when it comes to stuff like this, we do end up being quite specific and getting in the weeds, whereas you and your team need to be, especially on a physio level, it's it's far broader than MSK. And that, that, mm. that is relevant to sometimes pe where people do have expectation differentials between what you should and are doing. Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. Um, you know, we, MSK is really important uh, for 
for the CSP in terms of that kind of reputation building of the profession, because it does form the bulk of our media inquiries in, in a ordinary time, in normal time. Uh, but, you know, it's just one of the priorities of the organisation. We've also got a community rehab um, alliance work. Um, you know, we have to push on, on workforce, on FCP. So that for our, for our team, in that directions, and you know, over the last year, average understanding of respiratory other forms of physio uh, a really big role in in the COVID, uh, pandemic, um, and that they're not able to really sort of push on MSK to get society-wide change of awareness or you know education. Even even if it was the only thing they were doing, if, even if only MSK and through the media and also through you know, our website and through social media, that, that wasn't enough because we just don't have the results to mount the kind of level of need to. That can only be done uh, sort of at government level, Public Health England, NHS England, um, and, and in, in, in countries, their equivalents, because... You know, you're, you're talking about a, an advertising that's hundreds of thousands of pounds into the millions. If you look at the examples from France, Canada, uh, Victoria and Australia, um, they've used government money and national campaigns to really good effect to educate the public around really sort of specific objectives, whether that was to uh, reduce sickness absence from work um, or to you know, increase productivity. Um, they've shown that it, that approach can work, but it needs that huge investment in order to do it. Um, you know, with, with so many other public health mess, uh, messages going out at the moment around you know, vaccines and um, staying home, understandably taking priority. I, I can't see it too soon, but there's probably quite a strong case for a back pain campaign as, as we emerge from the pandemic uh, due to uh, you know the need for a healthy, productive workforce that we're going to have and and so many people at home but um yeah i think you know we we as the csp we have uh, a number of things that we need to do and so um i understand the frustration sometimes where it feels like there's there's not as much being done on msk as, as um, people would like but you know we we do have to um reflect the whole profession while we're working yeah no, it's, it's really interesting points and, and ones that i think in the heat of each moment then sometimes people miss i think one of the things that i reflect on as well and I have done each time there's an event like has been recently, is that the there is a differential in social expectation and the priors that come from Joe Public on this, whereby it is a big win if the print media was to demonstrate a recognition for physiotherapists' roles in intensive care and acute rehab mm. and things like that, or even going to neuro and stroke, etc. Because sometimes people people's association is quite dated with regards to physio be that bucket and sponge man on a sports field, be that massage be, be that some of the other obviously cliched examples that often are at least within the realms of msk um, meaning that then a you know a print article that describes the role of a, of a, of a respiratory physio accurately is a win whereas mm. in in the MSK game, the bar gets set higher because to some extent, there's at least that baseline perception and knowledge that physios work within sore bits. And so you never get that low hanging fruit 
example. So an accurate representation of physios or will work with bones, joints, nerves, etc. is sort of like, well, that's a, that's a bit of a given already. So unfortunately, that, that bar is set higher, which is obviously more challenging. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, but through physio matters, but also through MSKR is that we need to recognize that if we're going to be quite specialized in, in what messaging we're trying to curate, then that is something that we need to take on ourselves. We need to put ourselves forward and be open to being spokespeople. We need to try and get our get our messages aligned, make sure we're not trying to just all parrot the exact same thing and be, you know, not be entertaining enough with it, but also just recognize that these things are challenging to create appropriate policy without it being too restrictive and boring. It's complex. And only if you scrutinize ourselves and, and also try and mobilize to actually be more specific and not just shake our fists wherever we wish, including at the CSP, it's only through that that distributed responsibility that we can truly make sensible changes and to work with you and your team and the CSP to actually make sure the messaging is is right. So a bit of a rant there rather than a question, John, <laughs> hope you don't mind, but please do reflect on it if you wish. Yeah, I mean, I guess the big difference um, is MSK coverage tends to focus on the, um, the conditions and the advice for those. Um, our coverage of, uh, say, respiratory physios over the last year has focus very much on the, the role itself and the, the types of role they play there, same same have. Um, and, and the interesting thing with doing a lot of our is that often that advice probably um, is designed to keep people out from, you know, pe people away from ultimately to try and improve their MSK health so that ultimately they don't need to come to see if it's here in, in future. Um, which makes it quite a sort of um, uh, a strap. But, um I think that's probably <laughs> the, the big difference there is that um, you know we are really sort of focusing on on the patient there as, as opposed to the profession. Mm. No, it's a, it's a really good point. Is that it's a it's a challenge for all of us in individual clinicians, businesses and organizations across the board is that ideally done well if we do our job properly then we'll do ourselves out of one now we all know <laughs> that the baseline standard is such that there's plenty of work for all of us for a while yeah. yet but generally speaking on a pr level it's a good point with regards to messaging it's it's an odd one uh, i noticed that we're out of time i just want to make a couple of apologies to those of you that have been tuning in live we'll obviously do as best to tidy up some of the issues that we had with it we've had a couple of bits with with audio but also uh, we started to get it occasionally happens whereby you start to get these weird trolley robot messages that come through from twitch so i had to turn the comments off for a little while in the middle of this so if you've not been able to get through to us and, and post your comments then apologies for that i've just needed to just jump in and and grill John for a bit. We've not had that community aspect that we often get from the comments. Thanks for those of you that have, and I'll definitely be reflecting on those and producing more content like this. Not necessarily I'll be roping John in too many times, but generally speaking, we'll be reflecting on these sorts of themes and getting your views on how you see MSK in the media going forward. Massive thanks for your time, John. Really appreciate it. How can people uh, get in touch with you and also follow you and your team's work? Thanks. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously the the CSP account at the CSP uh, on Twitter posts out most of our our media coverage, um, and we'll be looking to promote a lot more of that because uh, understandably people miss a lot of coverage, and and we should you know be really sort of pushing that hard. I'm um, at John Ryan CSP in my Twitter handle. Um, if anyone's got any questions, please uh, do get me on there. Always happy to discuss it.
Yeah, brilliant. No, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Tomorrow's show, uh, we have Rob Yeldon, one of uh, John's colleagues on, uh, talking about the CSB's vaccine policy. You've been sending in loads of questions about that. Um, and so I've, I've been putting those together. I'll be putting those to, to Rob tomorrow. So do tune into that. Uh, that's tomorrow at 12.30. But otherwise, that's enough from us. We're in over time. So thanks again, John. Appreciate it. And we'll see you tomorrow. Sure.